It's good to see everybody here this morning. As you can see on the screen, we are going to be discussing a, a sermon entitled Redeeming the Time, and this actually might uh, be a uh, multi-part uh, sermon, uh, so I might be talking about this over the next time or two uh, that I preach on Sunday mornings. But this morning, we're going to start by reading Ephesians, the fifth chapter. If you would grab a Bible and turn to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, we're going to take our text uh, from Ephesians, the fifth chapter, starting in the 14th verse, Ephesians 5, starting in verse 14. Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. I am muted. Is that better? Okay. Do you remember where you were at January 28th, 1996? January 28th, 1996, almost exactly 27 years ago. Do you remember where you were and what you were doing? Take a moment and, and, and think about it. Think about what you were doing that day. For some of you here, for you young people that are here at the front, y'all are thinking that was way before I was born. You're old, Uncle Jeff. That was way before I was born, right? Uh, for uh, others, you might be thinking, Jeff, I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning, so how can I remember what I was doing 27 years ago? I can remember exactly, 
exactly what I was doing and exactly where I was at that date. And ever since last Sunday night, I have thought quite a bit about that date. On that day, January 28, 1996, the Dallas Cowboys played the Pittsburgh Steelers in Super Bowl 30 and defeated them that night. And I and my family, uh, my, my parents and Katrina, we were at Brent and Becky Fisher's house that night watching that Super Bowl. And we were there and we were watching and enjoying the Cowboys win their fifth Super Bowl in the history of their franchise. The third in just four years, right? I was in eighth grade at the time, and I had just witnessed the Cowboys play in four straight NFC Championship games, win three out of four Super Bowls. And I sat there as, as I watched the Cowboys win that Super Bowl that night, and I thought, I wonder how many more Super Bowls the Cowboys are going to win in the coming years. How awesome is it going to be to watch the Cowboys win seven, eight, nine Super Bowls. Being a Cowboys fan is awesome. It's great, right? Because they win the Super Bowl all the time. So you can imagine what I thought about last Sunday night as I watched the Cowboys lose in the playoffs again. And the announcers talked about how it had been 27 years Not just since a Super Bowl appearance, but even an NFC Championship game appearance. And I came inside the house. I was watching the game outside on our patio, and and I came inside, and I said to Angela, I said, I'm getting old enough that I'm starting to wonder if I'm ever going to see the Cowboys win another Super Bowl in my lifetime. It seemed like so long ago. Like I said, in January of 1996, I was in middle school. I was 14 years old. And since that time, so much of life has happened. I graduated from high school. I went to college and graduated from college twice. I got two Degrees, got married, had been married for nearly 14 years. I have had two kids, and one of those kids is almost nine years old. All of this has happened since that night, and it seemed like so long ago. But as I thought about it some more this week, as I thought about that night, you know what occurred to me? As I thought about it more, and I thought about that night, and I thought not that it was so long ago, but rather what occurred to me and the question that kept popping in my head was, where did the time go? Yes, it's been 27 years, but in reality it seems just like yesterday. Time has flown by. I was 14 years old that day that I was at Brent and Becky's house watching the Super Bowl. I was 14 years old one day, and it seems like I went to sleep, and the next morning I woke up, and I was 41 years old. And then I began to think about the verse that we opened with this morning when Paul said in Ephesians, the fifth chapter and the 16th verse, redeeming the time 
because the days are evil. Paul reminds the Ephesian Christians to redeem the time. The word redeem is derived from a Greek word which means to buy back or take possession of. What Paul intends to remind the Ephesians is to make the best use of their time. This mirrors what Paul told the church at Colossae when he would say, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. In both instances, Paul tells the Christians to make sure that they're not wasting time, that they're making the best use of their time, to redeem the time. This echoes a theme that we see all throughout the Scriptures. The writer in Psalms would say in Psalms, the 90th chapter and the 12th verse, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Moses, who wrote this particular psalm, says that we should number our days, that we should value the time that we have, that we should be wise in our use of the time that God has blessed us with. And I think about what Paul told the churches at Ephesus and Colossae, and I think about how quickly those 27 years have passed, and I think, have I redeemed the time? I think about what Moses wrote, and I ask, have I numbered my days? Have I made good use of the time that God has blessed me with? When I watched Super Bowl Thirty, I thought, the Cowboys are going to win 15 Super Bowls, at least. 15 Super Bowls, at least, in my life. But time has flown by, and they haven't won a single one. And truthfully, in the long run, that is of very little importance. But what about the important things in my life? When I was a kid, I thought I would live forever. That I would always be young, that I would always be able to do whatever I wanted... And in the blink of an eye, I look in the mirror, and there's not nearly as much hair on my head as there was in that eighth grade picture of Jeff. And most of what's left of it is gray. And it seems like it happened overnight. It seems like just yesterday I stood up here on this stage right here where I'm standing right now, and I married Angela. And I can still remember that day with vivid detail. But 13, almost 14 years have passed. Have I made the best use of my time with Angela? John will be nine years old this April. That means that nearly half of the time that he will live in my house is probably gone. He is almost halfway to college. It seems like just yesterday that Luke was born. And this September, he'll be five years old. Where has the time gone? Have I redeemed the time with my kids? James reminds us in James, the fourth chapter, in the 14th verse, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. Life is short. Life is a vapor. One day we're a kid without a care in the world, and the next day we're 41 years old with a mortgage, a career, a family, and all the responsibilities of life. 
At one moment, we're young and we have our whole lives ahead of us, and in the next, we're staring eternity in the face. So the question that I've thought about a lot this week, and the question for all of us is, have I redeemed the time that I've been given? Have I made good use of the time that the Lord has blessed me with? And thankfully, Paul gives us guidance on how we can redeem the time. How we can make good use of our time. The passage that we read this morning, this text that we opened up with this morning, is instructions to the Ephesian church on what they must do and how what we must do to redeem the time. So over the course of the next, like I said, probably two Sundays that I will be talking We'll be talking about this instruction from Paul about how to redeem the time and how we should make the best use of our time. This morning, we're going to look at the first four or five things in this text, and they are things that we must do individually uh, to redeem the time. And then the next time that I talk, we'll look at the latter half of this passage, uh, and and it deals more with our relationship with others. But today we'll focus on five things we can do to redeem the time. The first thing that Paul reminds us of, and the first thing that we need to do, is to remember that the days are evil. Look back at the latter half of verse 16 that we read. Paul says that we need to redeem the time, make the best use of our time, because not just that the time, that our time is limited, but also that the time that we do have is filled with the cares of of this world. And this leads to all the rest of the things that we're going to discuss this morning. But so often our, our, our time and our, our energy and our thoughts are filled with worldly pursuits. It's not as if our lives aren't busy. It isn't that we don't have full schedule. It, it isn't like our to-do lists aren't full and a mile long and we aren't running ourselves ragged. It isn't so often that we're lazy and we don't do anything. And that might be the case for some folks, and that might be the case for some of us. Uh, But really, it's that our lives are filled with the cares of this world. Think about what we have been discussing on Wednesday nights as we've gone through the, the study on the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon spends his life chasing after different things and seeking fulfillment. And we're the same way. We're chasing after so many things in this life, and the cares of this world steal all of our time. Jesus warned in the Sermon on the Mount about the dangers of focusing on the cares of this world. We won't take time to read that passage, but if you look back at Matthew, the sixth chapter, and the 25th verse uh, through verse 34, Jesus talks about. How the, how the Gentiles seek after the cares of the world, and he says, don't worry about what you shall eat and what you shall drink and what you shall uh, wear and all these sorts of things. He says those things are, are what the Gentiles take uh, their time and, and focus and energy on. And he says, but you should seek the kingdom of God first. Your focus should be away from the material things of this life and towards God. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. There's going to be enough things to worry about tomorrow to to." To deal with that tomorrow. He says, focus on today. Make the best use of your time today. But so often, we confuse activity with productivity. And those two things are not the same. Activity does not equal productivity. 
we think that being busy is being the same thing as being productive, and that is not the case. And if we focus on worldly things, we will be very busy. We can make ourselves incredibly busy, right? We'll have lots of activity. We'll have calendars that are full, but our spiritual lives will be dull and they'll be empty. We can even fill our lives with things that are good, things that might even seem religious on the outside. But if we aren't seeking God first, like Jesus mentioned there in the Sermon on the Mount, our lives will be full of activity, but very little spiritual productivity. We must remember that the days are evil, that all around us are the cares of this world, and because of that, we must redeem the time. And to redeem the time, we must do the next thing that Paul mentions. And that is, we must seek to understand God's will. Look back at verse 17 when he says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Paul encourages, encourages us not to be unwise, and he tells us where to seek wisdom. And that's in the will of God. So often we spend our time searching for knowledge, searching for what we think is going to make us smart and wise. We spend, many of us, 12 or 13 years of our life or more working towards graduating from high school. And then we go to college and we spend another four or five years getting our undergraduate degree. Many people are now going to graduate school and spending another couple years uh, getting getting a master's degree or a Ph.D. or, or, or something like that. We literally spend decades in school, right? We use a significant portion of our time learning and in school, but how much of our time is used to try and learn and understand God's will? First Corinthians, the third chapter in the 19th verse says, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. First Timothy, the sixth chapter, verses 20 through 21 says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane in vain babblings, and opposition of science falsely so called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. And maybe it's not school and quote-unquote book learning that we dedicate so much time towards. Maybe it's the other sources of worldly information and knowledge. Perhaps... We spend quite a bit of time making sure that we're up to speed on what everyone has posted on Instagram and Facebook. And I talked about this six or seven months ago. We don't want to feel left out, right? We need to know what, what John ate for lunch today and what Jane wore to school today. We can't miss that little bit of information, right? So we need to go on Instagram and Facebook and we need to, to see what everyone else has posted or we need to post something to let everybody else know. That's important, right? We can't go without that. Or maybe it's not social media. Maybe we spend a lot of our time and mental energy making sure that we know all about the latest in current events or politics and things like that. I mean, don't you know that that political party that we don't like is destroying this country? Or maybe it's the other one that's destroying the country. And that's important stuff, right? And so we make sure that we are up to speed on what Fox News or CNN or or MSNBC, or OAN, or Newsmax, or whatever news organization you think is telling the truth, we go and we spend time making sure that we watch those things to make sure that we're up to speed on all that type of stuff. 
or we go and we watch YouTube videos and all those sorts of things. We want to understand what's going on in the world, but we don't put the same energy into knowing God's will for our lives. Instead, we should make the best use of our time. We should redeem the time by valuing God's word, like the writer in Psalms. Psalms, the 119th chapter, verses 105 through 112 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn and I will perform it that I will keep thy righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. Accept, I beseech thee, the freewill offering of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. My soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget thy law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. Thy testimonies have I taken as a heritage forever, for for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined mine heart to perform thy statutes always, even unto the end. All throughout this chapter, Psalms, the 119th chapter, the writer repeatedly talks about the value of God's will and his law. And in this passage, he says that God's word is a light that illuminates his path. He prays that the Lord will teach him his will. He says that his judgments are are a joy to his heart. Do we value God's word and his will that way? In Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter, verses 1 through 7, and we aren't going to take time to read that whole passage. We'll be studying it here in a few weeks on Wednesday nights. Uh, Solomon spends, like I mentioned earlier, 11 chapters outlining how he looked for fulfillment in the world, and he concludes that the days are evil, that life is short, and he urges the readers to remember thy creator in the days of thy youth. Don't spend your life, don't spend your time, don't spend what little time you have on grasping at the wind because there will come a day when life will end. And we must redeem the time by seeking and understanding the will of God. The third thing that I want for us to notice that Paul urges us to is to seek not the flesh, but the Spirit. In the 18th verse of the text this morning, he says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So often, we spend our lives seeking to fulfill the desires of the flesh. For some, that's going out and trying to find the party. That's Spending our nights drunk or high and then spending our mornings hungover trying to remember what happened last night. For others, that means seeking to fulfill their sexual desires outside the confines of marriage. And that leads to fornication, addiction to pornography, homosexuality, and and other sexual sin. And instead of fulfillment and contentment, they end up with the scars of sin. In Romans, the 8th chapter... Verses 1 through 8, if you would turn over there, we'll read this passage. Romans, the 8th chapter. Verses 1 through 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. 
For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So often, we spend our lives, like I said, seeking to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. But Paul urges the Christians at Rome not to walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. He says that they that are after the Spirit... Strive to follow the will of God, but they that are out of the flesh seek to fulfill the desires of the flesh. So the question for us today is, what are you seeking to fulfill? Lusts of the flesh or of the spirit? This is especially important for our young people. Those of you that are sitting here in the first couple of rows pay particular attention So often our young people think, you know what, I'm young. I've got plenty of time, and when I get older, I'll do what God wants me to do. Sure, I know what what my parents tell me, and I know what they say at church, and I know what it says in the Bible, and I know what I'm supposed to do, Jeff. But you know what? I'm going to live a little. I've got my whole life to do that God stuff, right? So I'm going to go, and I'm going to go to that party. And I'm going to go try those drugs. And I'm going to do what my friends at school are doing. And I'm going to have some fun. But then they get into the car when they or their friends have had too much to drink or are high. And an accident occurs. And they experiment with drugs. And before they know it, they're addicted. And they're doing things that they thought they would never do. Or they decide to become sexually active before marriage and and children are born out of wedlock. Or they must face the consequences of sexually transmitted diseases. And maybe none of those consequences, physical consequences, happen in this life. But you still will have to live with the guilt and the shame and the emotional consequences of the sin that you decide to partake in. And one day, you wake up and you look back at the years that were wasted fulfilling the desires of the flesh rather than seeking to serve God. No one ever, at the end of their life, looked back and thought, you know what, I wish I would have done a few more evil things. No one ever sat back on their deathbed and thought, you know what, I wish I would have gone against God a little bit more. But lots of people. Countless people lay on their deathbed and wish that they would have listened to God and followed his will for their lives. And they regret the time that they wasted, the time that they threw away because of the simple decisions that they made. Don't let that be you. Redeem the time by seeking to fill your life with the Spirit. The next thing that Paul mentions that we should do to redeem the time is to worship. 
when we realize that the days are evil and we strive to make the best use of that time that God has, has given us by seeking to understand his will, we shift our focus away from fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. We will naturally desire to express our love and our gratitude to God. And we do that through worship. Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and the 19th verse that we, that we read, spe- says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, seeking and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Paul would say that we should sing. And I would note that we're commanded to sing, not to play the guitar or play the piano and things like that. And we'll talk about that at a, at a different time in the worship service and things like that. But we're told to make melody in our hearts to the Lord. We're told to worship the Lord. Psalms, the 100th chapter, says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Of course, you know, we can worship God and praise him in all areas of our lives, but for a moment I want to concentrate on our corporate worship, our opportunities like this morning to gather together here in worship. How important is the worship service to you? Here at La Prada, we have three services each week. We have our Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night services. How important are those worship services to you and your family? Our average attendance on Sunday morning is somewhere around 130 to 140 people. I don't know how many people we have here this morning. I hadn't counted. Looks like we have about an average-sized crowd, right? There are over 200 people in our latest directory. Where are those 60 or 70 folks? Some might have moved off. Some might have passed away. Some might be sick this morning. Some might be legitimately not here this morning. But you know what? Some people have decided, I've got a better use of my time than being at the worship service. I'm going to catch up on my sleep this morning. I'm going to take my kid to a softball tournament. I've got a test to study for. I've got a busy week coming up. I need to study. What about if you come back this evening or Wednesday night? That 130 or 140 that's here right now is going to be down probably somewhere around 90 or so. And truthfully, if you compare that to other churches, we're doing fairly well. We're doing pretty good, getting two-thirds of our crowd back for Sunday evening or Wednesday night. Um, But instead of patting ourselves on the back, we should be wondering why it isn't 100%. Why is Sunday evening or Wednesday evening attendance not 120 or 130? For those of you who don't consistently make it on Wednesday night or Sunday night, ask yourself why. And like I said, there could be legitimate reasons uh, for not being here. But what is it that you're doing on Wednesday night that's a better use of your time than assembling with your, your family here? 
Because really, that's what you're deciding. You're deciding what's more important. What you place your priority on. And if it's your career, or if it's yourself, or your bank account, or schoolwork, or your kids, rather than God, then you're going to be able to find a thousand reasons not to be here on Sunday nights or Wednesday nights. But if God is number one, then there won't be anything that can keep you away. Do we value our opportunities to worship? Do we take advantage? Do we redeem the time that we have by worshiping Him? The last thing that I want for us to notice from this passage, where Paul reminds us to redeem the time, is that he encourages us to pray. Look back at the 20th verse, when he says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says that we should continually give thanks for all things to God. This is similar to what Paul would tell the Christians at Philippi when he would say, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We should have a spirit of gratitude and express that gratitude to God through communicating to Him in prayer. And there are a couple things that I want for us to notice about this verse. One, he says, continually, always give thanks. And second, he says, for all things. If you look also at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, it says, Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Very similar message that he gives to both churches. Paul, in both of these verses, tells us that we should continually pray and be thankful for all things, or in everything, give thanks. And that is a difficult thing, a difficult concept for us sometimes. You mean we should be thankful for all things in all circumstances? How can that be possible, Jeff? That's, that, are you sure that's what he meant? You mean that we should be thankful for that person that's getting on my nerves? Absolutely. Because that means that you have someone else around you and you aren't alone. You mean, Jeff, that I, I should be thankful for that job that I hate so much? I hate my job. I don't want to go to work tomorrow. Oh, it's Sunday. I don't want to go to work on Monday. I hate my job. I hate my boss. I hate my coworkers. It's awful, right? I hate my job. I can't be thankful for that. Absolutely, you should be thankful. Because that means that you have a way to provide for your family and for the church. You mean that I should be thankful for that pile of schoolwork that I have? I'm sure some of these kids have tests to study for for tomorrow or this week. They, and they, I'm sure that they're really loving and looking forward to going home tonight and studying, right? They can't be thankful for that. Absolutely. You should be thankful because you've been blessed with an opportunity for an education. But Jeff, you can't be saying that I, can, I should be thankful for all this bad stuff that's happening to me lately. This test or this trial or this, this thing that I'm called to endure... Or this death that I've been dealing with in my family, the, the, the financial problems that, that I'm going through in this life, how could I ever be thankful for having to go through something like that? You should be thankful because that will help you learn, it'll help you grow, and it'll help you to learn how to teach and to minister to others 
if you'll walk through it in a godly way. We are to be thankful for all things. If we will have an attitude of thankfulness and use our time to pray to God consistently, then it will transform our lives. Our relationship with God will be strengthened when we pour out our heart to Him in prayer and will make the best use of the time that God has blessed us with. Paul in Ephesians, the fifth chapter that we talked about this morning, urges us to make the best use of our time, to redeem the time. And he lays out that plan by reminding us to do these five things. Remembering that the days are evil. Seeking to understand God's will. Seeking not the flesh, but the spirit. And worship and prayer. But when we do this, you know what's going to happen? Satan is going to try to convince you that it isn't worth it. He will tempt you when you are trying to study that Bible. He's going to tempt you and put, you, put it in your head. You know what? What's the, what's the use? It's too hard. That Bible's old and it, it's out of date. And that, that has to do with stuff that was thousands of years ago. It doesn't apply to your lives today. And it's hard to understand anyway, Jeff. So what's the use of that? Don't worry about that. And then if you overcome that, and you try to understand God's will, and you know what God wants to do for your life, and you're trying to not seek the, the desires of the flesh, but trying to, to, to fill your heart with the Spirit, and you try to do that, He's going to, to do, say to you, you know what? You don't need to do what God wants you to do. I know you, you now know what God wants you to do, but you, you don't want to do that. You need to do what you want to do, right? You need to do what makes going to make you feel good, not what God wants you to do. You can't overcome this temptation. You can't overcome this struggle. Just give in and do what you want to do. And when you overcome that, and you seek to follow after the Spirit, and you begin to worship or pray, Satan's going to try to say, don't go to church. Church is boring. Jeff's talking this morning. He's boring. Don't go listen to him. It's not worth it. Those songs are going to be slow, they're going to be boring, they're going to be long, and the prayers are going to be long. Satan is going to try to tell you that worship is not worth it. And then when you try to pray, he's going to try to tempt you and say, you know what, all you're doing is talking to the wall, Jeff. It doesn't matter, you're wasting your time. Satan knows what God wants you to do, and he is going to fight against it. But Satan is a liar. These things aren't a waste of your time. They are the best use of your time. This is how we redeem the time. Because life is short. Life is a vapor. And tomorrow is not guaranteed for any of us. And because of that, as we close, remember 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter and the 2nd verse, when it says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted... And in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait for something else to happen in your life for you to follow God's will for your life. Because life is short. And perhaps you've never done what God has commanded you to do in His will in order to become a member of his body. And you need to do that today. Don't put it off. 
God's will says that you need to allow your faith to move you to repent of your sins and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and submit to him in baptism. Perhaps you've never done that and you'd like to do that this morning. We'd be happy to, to assist you with that. Perhaps you haven't been redeeming the time in your own life and you're struggling with some things and you'd like the prayers of the church. We'd be happy to do that also. If there's anything we can do, please come as we stand and as we sing.